DJ and PK reminding you to join Hans and Scotty Friday, October 11th from noon to 3 as Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, no surgery, and no needles. DJ and PK welcoming in Lincoln Kennedy from the Pac-12 Networks. The Raider analyst has been in London. He is back with us now on a Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad from $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, guys. I figured since the Utes were on a bye, I should just take off to London for a week and <laughs> get a little R&R uh, holiday, as they call it over there. Okay. But I'm glad to be back. What's going on, guys? Well, we're curious. How is the food in London? Because I've heard it's terrible. I've heard the sites are great and the food's awful. But maybe the NFL well, team fed you, so you don't have to worry about that. You know, what, what's interesting when you go over to the for Europe, and especially the U.K., it's just that they don't – they don't indulge us as much gluttony as, as we Americans do. So I, I kept it simple. I stayed with the fish and chips. I'm a big seafood lover, so you couldn't go wrong with uh, fried fish and, and French fries uh, for the most part. But other than that, um, I had a chance to go visit Dublin, which was wonderful. Uh, never been to Ireland before. It was beautiful countryside. Got a chance to see some traditional dancing and singing and a lot of the, the locals and, and hang out in pubs. And I had my first Guinness. Uh, as well as a, a whiskey-tasting, Irish whiskey-tasting tour. So it was a great vacation. From your perspective, what's the level of interest in the NFL over there? Huge. It really is. Um, mark my words. I mean, I've said it before. I don't know if I said it on, on your broadcast, but um, there will be an NFL team in London uh, in, in the near future. Um, I, it's going, I don't think it's going to be an expansion. I think they're going to take an existing team and take it over there. And I think what's open, the reason why is because the, the whole Tottenham experience with the new stadium and more importantly, just the overall um, European interest in American football, there are a lot of people over there who still don't understand it. It needs to be explained. It needs to be shown to them. But there are huge opportunities because um, the Raiders have played in uh, UK three times now. And all three times when you go in the stadium, there is an overload of representation, American representation. This time for the uh, Raiders and Bears, there were a lot of Bears jerseys in the stands. Um, and other times I've seen Dolphins, Patriots, a lot of U.S. teams represented. So I think, I think the draw is huge. And, and I think the NFL is going to be over there someday soon. You know, one of the big problems for uh, the NFL has been the cost of stadiums and the fact that you're only going to play eight preseason, ten, maybe with playoff eleven, put a couple college football games in there. But you just there aren't that many events now in Arizona. They've got a grass stadium that rolls out and leaves a concrete floor, which makes doing concerts and stuff like that a lot. Basketball games makes it a lot easier. Now this stadium that the Raiders just played in in this most recent game has a tr- a grass field and a turf field, and they can roll in and out for soccer and football. It seems like if they combine that, we're going to have a stadium in the future that could be doing football one day, soccer the next day, and a concert the third day, and suddenly a billion-dollar stadium doesn't sound like such a crazy proposition. Can you see that well, you're coming? you're absolutely right. A couple of weeks ago when we were in Minnesota, the first time that we had seen the new U.S. Bank Arena up there, they were, the, the people were telling us they would do, they do anywhere from 350 to 400 events a year. 
and that includes major sporting events, concerts, and everything else. And I think that's going to be the big draw. As you mentioned, the, the, the Tottenham Stadium over in the U.K., yes, it does serve their, their soccer team as well as professional football. And just imagine this, because I think this is the way it's going to play out. You know, uh, let's just say that because the, the, the owner of, of the Jaguars owns a soccer team, if he moves the Jaguars over to London, you'll have teams that will play there for you'll, – you'll have the Jaguars basically hoping, hosting a month of, um, of football games. Teams that come over there will have the bye afterwards, and then you have the Jaguars that come back to the States, as we've seen with other teams this year, sort of travel around like when East Coast trips, most notably uh, the 49ers, when they had an East Coast trip, they played Tampa Bay, and then they, the next week they played uh, Cincinnati. They didn't fly back to San Francisco. They, uh, they stayed over in the East Coast. They actually moved from Tampa Bay to Ohio. The Raiders did it last year when they played the two Florida teams. They just stayed down there. The NFL is opening up and showing that this can work more and more, and that's why you're eventually going to have a team over in the U.K. So last time we talked to you about the Pac-12, I was all in on Washington. Now I'm dropping them, man. I was so disappointed in their effort the other night that I thought that they were onto something, and then they just totally lay an egg. I mean, I was shocked. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about the competitiveness of the, of the conference. I mean, it's see, I think we get spoiled and when we see such dominance. Dominance, especially you know, you know, talked about on TV with the SEC and other conferences, where you're just used to these teams winning. It's not that simple. It's hard to win on a competitive level. And any given day, it doesn't matter if it's Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Thursday, whatever it is. Any given day, anybody can beat anyone. I've always believed that. If you don't have your A game, you'll get yourself smashed in the head. And that's exactly what happened when Washington went down to Stanford. So. Who's the latest hot team that you really believe in? I mean, it's easy to look at the stand and say Oregon, but is it just we're just walking right over the trap door and we're going to fall through the floor the second we buy into the Ducks? That's exactly right, and that's why I've always been up in arms about preseason polls. You just don't know, especially when you get into the thick of things. There is no hot team. Everybody is vulnerable. It doesn't matter who you're talking about, whether it's, you know, a couple of weeks ago it was Arizona State, then Colorado beats them. I mean, it just doesn't matter. And it's going to go like that throughout the year, especially for this conference. And as an analyst, I appreciate it because it gives you more fodder to talk about. It gives you more stuff to be able to break down why this fell apart, why this team had a good day versus the other one that didn't. But as a fan and a national fan, it's hard to put in perspective because all you you see is that these other teams knocking each other off here and there. You talk about Wazoo for a moment, you talk about Oregon for a moment, Washington for a moment, you go down south, you talk about SC for a moment, you talk about ASU, you talk about Utah, and, and then all of a sudden they have a, a premier national televised game and they end up getting beat. And so the national audience you know, hits their hand on their head I'm like, oh my gosh, they're not as good as, they, as we thought they were. Let's turn this crap off, especially we're staying up late at night. But when all is said and done, however the dust settles on this conference, you're going to see two good teams that fought hard all season long that are going to play each other for the Pac-12 championship. And I hope, I hope that championship represents a little bit of a national prominence because it's just not going to be given to them. They're going to have to definitely earn it. So Washington State had to buy last week too, and we last saw Mike Leach after they just got destroyed by the Utes here in Salt Lake. He's talking about how his team, I think there was uh, fat, stupid, fat, happy, lazy, yeah, soft, and, 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 <laughs> exactly. and entitled. And it seems yeah. like when they win, Leach gets a ton of credit. When they lose, these guys suck. And as a former player, where do you stand on a coach coming out and saying what he says like that? 
in this day and age, you got to be exceptionally uh, uh, careful, especially careful um, is a better choice. Um, when you say this, I, I remember back in 2003 um, playing with the Raiders after we came back from the Super Bowl, and we had a very high penalized game. Bill Callahan had a press conference. He was a head coach at the time, and he said, we've got to be the dumbest team in America. And in the locker room, I had several notable players, I won't remember mention her name, who just said, I'm done. And they shut it down for the rest of the year. You have to be careful because in this day and age, these athletes are especially sensitive to the words and, and what they see in the press and the way people you know, uh, associate themselves with, with one another. And I say that because you know, Wazoo is very capable of shutting it down, and we can laugh in the press. I mean, as a former Husky, I'll just say every day that they cooked it, they cooked it, they cooked it. But we also know that they had, a, they had an imperfect system where they seem like gangbusters, and, and before, late in the season, they fall apart. Well, that happens to quite a few teams. But most notably, you know, over the past couple of years, Wazoo, you know, Leach has got to be very careful. He's a smart man, a little bit odd, but he's a smart man um, uh, And w- when he's addressing these things because if his team just turns no- the notable players, the big key players, if they just turn around and be like, you know what, I'm done, I'm, I'm checking out, I'm just going to get through college and go my separate way, this can be a disastrous season for, for the Cougs. So I buy everything you just said there, but I also think he's right. They should have never gotten outscored 50 to 14 by UCLA at the end of the game. They shouldn't have gotten outscored 24 to nothing by Utah at the end of the game. If they turn that around, you look at the way things set up. They lost to two teams in the South. If they right. were to not coog it, in your words, if they were to <laughs> if they were to do what the Utes did last year and start 0 2, if they were to win six of seven, or if they were to win out, they'd need someone to give Oregon a loss. But other than that, they'd have the tiebreaker on everybody in the North. So it's not out of the realm to have them winning the North, given the way their schedule sets up, if they just get dialed in and stop rolling over when there's a little adversity in a game. Because if you just look at the scoreboard, even the most sensitive player would have to say, yeah, we got to be doing better than that. That was awful. Well, you're absolutely right. But just like most coaching decisions, whether whatever level you're talking about, when it works, you look like a genius. When you fails, you look like an ass. Simple as that. And there it is. <laughs> and, and, I, and I totally agree with you. There's, there is there's something to be said when a coach comes out and addresses his team and says that we've got to be better and it, it is extremely critical of them. But at the same point, when you, watch the, when you watch how these players today most notably respond to social media, you've got guys who, who get in Twitter arguments with one another when somebody's criticized. You have to know that they're ultra-sensitive to these types of, uh, of criticisms. And, and, you know, I, I'm not in the locker room to where it's like, hey, man, let's overlook this. Let's pick it up. And I don't know if they have somebody in that locker room or in those locker rooms that would say that. But I've seen more times than not players cower and go the other way than respond to be like, take it as a challenge that I need to be better. So as far as the Utes going forward, you know, they had that clunker against SC, and then they played extremely well against Washington State. Tyler Huntley was right. brilliant. Then they have the bye. Now they got Oregon State this week, and I want your reaction to what I'm about to say. I don't think they're where they want to be because obviously you'd want to be 2-0 and and undefeated overall. But I'm thinking where they're right where they need to be, and they're still on track to win the South. My biggest criticism since we've been doing this stuff together for the Utes is how they finish in the month of October. You know what I mean? We've seen them fall apart, have everything lined up right where they want, and then for some reason at the end of October, you know, early November, whatever, however it goes, 
they fall apart or they drop one or two games that most people thought that they would win. I want to see how this team finishes. I think they're primed up. I think the bye week came at a very important time for them to get you know everything kind of sort of lined up and see where they are and and sort of refocus um, their their agenda for the you know the upcoming weeks. Um, but now I want to see how they finish. Um, one most notably against this game against Oregon State, I don't think they're going to have much of a problem. They should take care of business. But at the same point, don't under, underestimate the Beavers and don't take them lightly. Uh, because if they beat you, then you're going to be sitting there licking your wounds like, what happened? Were we overlooking whatever, whatever happens? That's the biggest thing that I worry about for the Utes. So you're watching some of these teams progress here. Are we missing a, a Cinderella out there somewhere who we didn't? I mean, if we're talking Utah and Oregon, well, there were pretty high expectations for them. Utah, right. Oregon, and Washington were the three teams that split the votes to win the conference. Right. But is there someone like an Arizona State uh, a Washington State that's off to a bad start, an ASU that's starting a young quarterback that could put together a Cinderella season. Maybe Arizona having won two conference games, although admittedly two teams we thought were in the bottom third of the conference. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a Cinderella in this conference. I think there's potential for anyone to, to rise up. For example, you're not going to have Oregon State come out of the depths and all of a sudden be gangbusters in, in the north. And I, don't, I think the same thing about Arizona. I think you've seen some gritty play and some luck that would fall in the way of you know teams like A State and Colorado here and there. But I don't really think there's a Cinderella that stands out to me like, oh, you know what, be on the lookout because this team is getting better as the week goes on. But yet, going back to what you said about having the two good teams play each other in the conference, I yeah. think the best shot for that in terms of getting some national respect right now, and maybe it changes, but just based on what I've seen so far, and we still have a, a fairly long way to go, I think for your goal to be accomplished, I think we've got to see Oregon versus Utah. I think that's the best matchup for the conference to get the biggest bang for the buck. Maybe ASU if they found a way to run the table, but I don't think that's right. likely just because of the, the amount of attention that Herm Edwards always seems to bring is just off the charts. But I'm thinking it's got to be Oregon and Utah. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. My only thing is that whoever comes out of that game Whoever comes out and represents the Pac-12 champion, that when they get in the bowl game, they handle the business and they're competitive, whomever they're playing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's that that's been a knock on these guys as a conference. That's exactly that right. Happened. So, so you know, like Washington in the Rose Bowl last year, or, or, you know, I'm, I'm speaking most specifically of the Huskies over the last couple of years. They played in the Rose Bowl. They played in the Fiesta Bowl. They played in the Peach Bowl. Those were all losses. Yeah. You see, you, you can't hold your conference up with high esteem if you can't win your bowl games because that's when you have the most national attention. And so even, even if I'm out here, and I believe conference championships are a high value. So if we get into an ultimate playoff system, I believe every conference champion should be represented like it is in bas- basketball. I don't care the record. If you win your conference, you've done something. So I believe that you should have a chance to play for a national title. With that being said, if I'm going to sit there and yell about conference championships, if you get out in a bowl game and you wet yourself or you get beat down like there's no tomorrow, where's the argument there? Lincoln Kennedy joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to get back to what you said about teams that kind of uh, can roll over on the coach. You told the story about, you know, when you were a uh-huh. writer and Bill Callahan and guys said, I'm done. 
Is that what's going on at UCLA? Because I watched the start of that Oregon State game. I had to edit the highlights for our Saturday night show, yeah. so that's the thing I'm watching. And to have 21 nothing after six minutes and one second. And, you know, Chip Kelly was part of the problem. He went for it on fourth down at his own, like, 35 or 40, and they gave the ball up. So that was part of it. But that's UCLA, come on. You're not good, and I've accepted that, but you're not that bad that Oregon State, who's been the worst team in the conference, can light you up like a Christmas tree and then continue to score throughout the game. Have they just rolled over on him? The level of the consistency that you have, especially with young players, I, I've said this in a, in a number of interviews that I've done. I think in the future, UCLA, with the people they have on their roster, freshmen and sophomores can be good once they learn how to play with one another. That being said, you've seen how you know they could take Wazoo and put up basically a basketball score. Um, they get a lot of attention, and all of a sudden they start reading their press and feeling themselves. But they're still not really that good. They're, and they're not complete with their offensive and defensive philosophies. Um, I don't think that they're rolling over, but I will say this, and we talked about this before, guys. I think there is a, uh, there is a lot of speculation in L.A. about Urban Meyer, and I think that goes for both L.A. schools. Um, what, from what the grumblings that I've heard, I've heard that Chip Kelly's not necessarily happy at UCLA, that he's looking for bigger things. Um, and I've also heard that both schools are trying to court Urban Meyer to possibly coming back and representing, most notably SC. I don't know how much that is. These are just rumors and speculations that I've heard. So I don't know how much, how, how true, the, true they are. But I do understand if I heard them and I live in Phoenix and I travel all over the country, you can imagine what the kids in LA have heard. So when you answer, ask the question, have they given up on him, if you, if you suspect that your coach is not going to be around, especially the coach who probably recruited you, uh, because we're talking about freshmen and sophomores, the younger guys, then why wouldn't you give up? Does that answer your point, answer your question? Yes, it does. Yeah. As always, we appreciate it, Lincoln. Good to have you back stateside. <laughs> Glad to be back, guys. I appreciate my bet a lot more now. <laughs>